0: Okay, so let's go ahead with the uh, sermon this evening. Do you feel spiritually distant from God? You know, we're talking about during this time of the pandemic, with so much problem that there is, about social distancing. Some of us feel that, has God socially distant himself from us? I'd like to share a story. Uh, I've shared, I talked about this topic before, but this can be a, a different twist on it. One of my favorite see uh, Christmas movie is this movie that was an award winner as Joel Noel or Merry Christmas in French. It's once again, it's based on a true story. These events basically really happened, though there are a few exaggerations, especially when it concerns romance. But it talks about the Christmas truth of 1914. During World War One in an area called no man's land where you find all the trenches and it's littered with dead bodies of soldiers and the piece, place looks crater like you might find on the moon. Barbed wires left and right and see dead bodies partially buried, partially covered or see uh, eaten by rats or other see uh, 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 insects and other things. But then the Germans, all of a sudden in the trenches on Christmas Eve start singing a Christmas song. And the British, the Scottish, Belgium and French on the other side on the other side of the trench heard it and he looked at it. They heard it. And then they started playing the songs themselves. They started also singing. And they start singing the songs, and it prompted them to eventually try to outdo each other in a friendly competition of the best singers. And here what you see in the movie, is a German sea opera singer holding a Christmas tree, singing, oh, Christmas tree. And then finally, the officers wave a white flag in the bottom. They came out of the trench and they talk. Uh, how about we call a temporary truce? on Christmas Eve, so we could pick up the dead bodies and give them a decent burial and cease from this barrage of killing, at least for uh, one day. But then people said, oh, they agreed to it, but can we really trust them that when we come out that they're not going to shoot us or kill us? Can we really trust them? So very carefully, both sides came out First just to say hello, and then share stories, and they start sharing pictures. Then they start sharing drinks, coffee, wine, rations, and even they play a friendly game of uh, soccer. Then you see the leaders here, the lieutenant of the French army, the captain, see of the German in the middle, and the leader of the Scottish troops, they're sitting there with a cup of coffee, and he says, "Why are we killing each other? If not for this crazy war, we could have been neighbors, patrons, and friends. I could visit you, see at your see, cafe, or at, uh, see uh, stay at your hotel. Why are we killing each other?" But While we're fighting and starving out here in the cold, the senior officers, the big boss upstairs, the commanding officers, they're stationed in a comfortable chalet 25 miles away, dining in comfort with maids in front of a warm fireplace. Do they really care about what happens to us? sometimes we think that way about god does he really care about us uh anthony uh could you read that scripture for us yes uh woe to the scribes and pharisees then jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples saying the scribes and the pharisees sit in moses seat Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. For they say, and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Oh, yes. There are leaders who are like that. God warns us about following such leaders. But when a leader is willing to get down in the trenches with the common people, put up with what they had to put up with. Suffer the cold that they had to suffer. Eat the rations that they had to Those are the men that the people respect because only then do we know that they really care. And not only they care, they say, well, yeah, I care about the men, I don't want them to die. But how much do they care? We see this when they're willing to put up with these things here. That is the mark of a true leader. And in First Samuel chapter 8, verse 4 and 6, God see, told him, God warned him, you don't want to be like these other people. They all want creature comfort. They want to be like everybody else. Okay, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4 and 6, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramoth and said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now, make us a king to judge us like all the nations. At this time, there were no kings. There were just judges. But the thing displeased Samuel when he said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. See, John, would you like to read that for us? Okay. <clears> okay. <throat> 1 Samuel 8, 7, verse 7 through 9. Uh, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are going to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them, and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So um, God told Samuel, when people don't want to listen to us, listen to you, listen to the scriptures, it's not you, it's not us, it's not the church they're rejecting, it's God they're rejecting. When people don't want to follow what the Bible says and just want to do what's popular, it's God who that they're rejecting. So would you share something tactfully in a tasteful way with a coworker or friend about the love of God? And when they reject you, don't take it personal. It's, it's not you they're rejecting. They just don't like the idea of God. They just don't want there to be a God in their life. It's not you. They just don't want a God in their life here. So God told Samuel, uh, you know, you're displeased, but it's actually me who the rejecting, not you. All right, Uh, see David, would you like to read verse 10 on down? Yeah, okay. Um, So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. All right. So, The Lord told Samuel, he says, if you really want a king, if you want a king, open your eyes, know what you're asking for. This king, he's going to send your sons and daughters out to make weapons of destruction and out to the battlefield. (laughs) And he will not lift his fingers to help, but he will send you to do his bidding and killing all right, uh, he will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks and bakers for him. And he would take the best of your fields, your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his servants. He would take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he would take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men and your donkey and put them to his work. He would take a, a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servant. Is that what you want? The same thing will happen if you give yourself to various vices and sins in the world today. You become enslaved by them, whether it be by money or popularity or whatever the case might be, all right? Uh, See, Um, let's see here. Uh, Paula, could you read that for us? Sure. First Samuel 8, 18 to 20. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, No, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the other countries and nations. We want to be like everybody else. We want to be popular. <laughs> We want to be with the in crowd. We don't want to be different. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battle. Sure, you think that really the king's gonna go out before us and fight our battles. That was the dream of the people. Little did he know that that was not true. All right, and we have the problem today is that not only do the leaders uh, distance themselves from the people, we know with this pandemic, we all know about social distancing. We social distance ourselves to protect one another during the pandemic. And these generals and captains and leaders there in World War One, they were at a chalet planning uh, to send their men to kill. But they were not willing to go themselves. Their social distance themselves from the actual heat of the battle. And But God did not so spiritually distance himself from us. God is not like those king who would just put mass and say, don't get near me. But he's the kind of God who wants to be like us, to be with us, to suffer alongside us. Mai, would you like to read that for us? Uh, (coughs) Jesus came to live among us. Emmanuel means God with us. All right, this was prophesied in Isaiah 714, 600 years before Jesus was born. It says that a virgin will conceive, will be give birth, and it will be called Emmanuel. And in Matthew chapter one, verse 23, uh, the gospel record that this was a fulfillment. And in Matthew 123, it says Emmanuel means. God with us so 600 years after the prophecy was given it was fulfilled showing the the power of scriptures as it is here and in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 to 8 we get we can see uh, what kind of God this God is Uh, Daniel would you like to read for us yeah okay Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man and being fine in appearance as a man. Humble himself and become obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So, unlike these general, like in World War I, uh, one where they sent men to their death. I mean, some of this was like when you order the men to charge a hundred meters, hundred yards, on flat, level ground with no vegetation or covering, just potholes, in front of machine guns that were just invented in World War II during. the prior to World War I, the kill rate was very high. You're almost sentencing people to death. And yet they themselves would not do this. But let this mind being you, which was in Christ Jesus, even though he was God, did not consider robbery to be made equal to God, but he took the form of a human being. He came like one of us. He humbled himself and was willing to die, even to the point of death on the cross. This is a kind of magnificent leader we have that can inspire our confidence, our love, the devotion to him. Now, when we're talking about um, being born again, I mean, being born, Jesus uh, was to be born in Bethlehem. Now, do any of you know what's gonna happen on December 21st? One of the most spectacular event um, is gonna happen. On December 21st, a very rare occurrence is gonna occur. This happens about once every 20 years, but this one's gonna be exceptionally rare because Jupiter and Saturn will be so close to each other that they appear as one star. Um, the astronomer at Rice University said, and this event is so rare that the last time it occurred this close was March 4, 1226, almost 800 years ago. Uh, and we can even begin to see it now. I'll tell you a little bit more about it in just a moment. But this event, we're not gonna see another one this close until the year 2080. Well, I sure hope I can make it, but I probably won't. I'll probably be 130 years old if I live that old. So probably not. So I'm gonna be sure to catch this event. And if you miss this, you probably may not be able to catch this, all right? This event will be seen Shortly after sunset on the west side, so you look towards Pepperdine, look out towards Malibu, of course, Ed uh, and uh, see, we'll have to look more towards uh, Lubbock or Abilene, looking towards the west. Low in the horizon, like you see on this view here, kind of low, about 45 minutes to one hour after sunset, you can see a bright object unusually bright and this object here will be closer. If you were to go and look at it tomorrow, you can see it. There are actually two separate lights and each day, each day, each day up until December 21st, they get closer and closer and closer and closer to each other. Tell on December the 21st they're going to appear almost as if they were just one bright object. Something unusual. And in other years you might see the two they'll get close but they won't actually coincide. So this is going to be a uh, said to be a spectacular event to come. So close that some people call this the Christmas star or the star Bethlehem here. So be sure to catch it. 45 minutes to one hour after sunset and then you're going to see it and then it's going to sink below the sky but you're going to see it for a while depending on what part of the earth you would see it and hopefully you don't wait until then because if you wait till December 21st to see it you might wait and there'll be too cloudy and uh, maybe a rainy day and you'll miss out so you might check on it a couple of times between uh, that time especially during the last week Before the 21st. Now, here, why is is this important? We're not saying that this was the Christmas story, but this certainly draws attention to something that is unusual. The book of Micah was written 735 to 700 BC. All right. At that time, Bethlehem was a small village, so small it could fit inside a football stadium. And yet, the Bible says that. The ruler over Israel, the king, the Messiah will be born in this tiny unknown village, hardly worthy of a dignitary. But that's what the scripture says. In fact, 700 years later at the time of Christ, the census indicated it grown to 1,435 people. Well, that, that's smaller than some high school. Some high school have more than, uh, well, a lot of high school have more than 1,400 students. The high school I went to was a combination middle school and high school. We had 3,000 students. So that's larger than the entire ta- uh, town of Bethlehem at the time of Christ. So you can imagine at the time of Micah, the number of people, they had probably number in the hundreds That's how tiny it was. But Micah says that in Bethlehem, a little bit south of Jerusalem, the Messiah will be born. Uh, Ed, could you read that for us? The Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler of Israel, who's going forth are from old, from everlasting. So this one to be ruler was here from ancient times. He wasn't just born in Bethlehem. He actually was from everlasting, from time immemorial. That's a description that does not fit that of any human being, that a ruler shall come in this tiny insignificant town that would came for time immemorial, as it is here. And then when the fullness of time came, Messiah was born. What a wonderful prophecy. In the fullness of time, God came. But what is this to you? In a uh, cartoon movie, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, you see Quasimodo, the man who's crooked back there. And you see the gargoyle to his right. Oh, to your left as you watch him here, named Laverne, said to him, if watching is all you're gonna do, then you're gonna watch your life go by without you. Quasimoto is just watching all the people having fun and doing meaningful things as he's studying the people going hither to and fro, but he doesn't wanna mingle. Do we feel like that sometimes in Christianity? We see everyone else doing all the work of the Lord and we don't want to get involved. We let others do all the work. Well, if that's the case, then like Laverne said to Quasimodo, the spiritual life is going to go right past you, without you. Let that not happen to you. Let it be that you can participate, knowing like in the case of uh, the Christmas truth of eight, 1914. Get involved. Get down there and encourage the people. Get down in the trenches and be an encourager. Be a helper. Be a person who's willing to take risks for the Lord. Knowing that our Lord did the same and that he came and was born of a virgin in fulfillment of prophecy in a tiny insignificant town, that should be strength and testimony that God is willing to walk the walk and talk the talk. So the thing is, let us be the same. Let us not be weak in our faith. Let us take encouragement. In Acts chapter 17, verse 27, 29, this is done so that they should seek the Lord. Why doesn't God just reach out and grab us? It's in the hope that they might reach out and we find him. Though he, God is really not far from any, any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Also, some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that god is like made of gold or silver or stone or that god is some sort of statue that you could pray to or kiss or bow down to something shaped by art and man's devising but god did not just grab us and say hey i'm here he's hoping that you do your part that you might grope for him and that you will find him because he really is quite close to us.